Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Come on, let's thank God for our worship team today. Donna and the team, thank you. And for everyone else here, all those that do announcements and everything else just to help us to engage with God. And our, our prayer is that when you leave today, that you will be one step further closer to the Lord, that you'll be more one step closer to committing your life fresh to Him. And that's the purpose, I believe, as we meet together. Let me talk to you about a story or a book in the Bible. I'm going to talk to you about Ruth. I'm talking today about the, the prayer that we pray um, on one of the weeks on, on provision and protection. And I want to bring that out from the book of Ruth because all over the book of Ruth is God's hand weaving through difficult situations and bad choices where God leads and prepares his people for blessing, provision, protection and production. And I want to just encourage you today that wherever you are in your life, wherever you are online, that God has still a plan for your life, amen? That God has great purposes and, and blessing for you to walk into your life. And sometimes when hardship hits or disappointment hits, it's very difficult sometimes to believe that God has got something good for us. But hopefully today that the Holy Spirit through his word can bring faith into your heart to know that wherever you're in right now, it's not over. God's got something good for you in advance, prepared in advance to bless your life. And I want to impart to you that today. Let's just read a few verses from the book of Ruth. And it says this, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Eliab, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malam and Kilion. There were Ephrodites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. And they had lived there about ten years, but both Malan and Kilian also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard that in Moab the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-laws, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husband and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the house of another's husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will not go back, but we will continue to be with you and your people. And Naomi said, no, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I'm going to have, am I going to have any more sons? And who, and who could become your husband? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought that there was still possibility for me, even if I had a husband tonight and they give birth to a son, would you wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord has turned his hand against me. So they wept aloud and one of the, the, the daughter-in-laws decided to go home. But the other Ruth 
decided to stay with her mother-in-law and be committed to the God of Naomi. And so the story unfolds that they begin to return back to Bethlehem where God was providing for his people and through Ruth's commitment to her mother-in-law, she allowed and blessed Naomi's life into the providence and the provision and the protection of God. And I want to encourage you today that no matter where you are in your life, if you can get some good people around your life that will stick to you like glue, who are determined to help you take you to the promises of God, I believe that you can make it. Sometimes in our life, just like Naomi, she was too bitter and too much blaming God for her circumstances. And at times like that, we think God's abandoned us. But you know, in the providence of this story, that Ruth, this Moabites, who worshipped other gods, was so committed to the God of Naomi that she was going to commit to her and God used her to take this woman full of bitterness and emptiness into the blessing of God. And as a church, we're committed to do that for you too. Just in our services, just all that's been given you today, I believe that the Holy Spirit through enthusiastic people, people on fire for God through our worship, through our welcome, through our word can take you, maybe messed up by other people's decisions, maybe by, from your own decisions and help you take one step further into the promises and the blessings of God that he's prepared for you and me. And so when you look at the story, she comes back into the place of Bethlehem, and she said to them, is this Naomi? She said, do not call me Naomi, because my life call, call me Mara, which means bitter. Her name means pleasant, but because of her experience, she become bitter and begin to blame God of what happened to her life. I want to just talk to you a little bit about some choices that we make in life. I want to also try, and I'm, I'm going to defend God, because I find too many Christians when life becomes hard, they begin to blame him. And do you know something? God is your best friend. Promise that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Committed the Holy Spirit to help you. And even today, the enemy will try and lie you out of the goodness of God. Her experience robbed her of the truth about who he was. And all along, God wanted this woman to prosper. And it wasn't God's fault that she ended up losing out on life. It was actually a husband's choice to leave the place of bread, the place of God, to go to a foreign land because there was a famine. And I want to encourage you today that every one of you that's following Jesus, no matter how much you pray or know the Bible, there will be a famine opportunity for your life. But it's in those famine times the choices we make can either make us or break us. And the temptations of famine time is to move out of the place of God, out of his word, and lean into our provision because there's an appetite that needs to be met, provision for our family, provision for what's going on inside of you. And we take shortcuts thinking away from the things of God is going to be a blessing. So it wasn't God that made them choose to leave the house of God. It was his decision. And maybe it was a, a decision caring so much about his family wanting to leave the place of Bethlehem because there was a famine in there. And here's the picture of the reason of the famine. Many commentators say the famine came to Bethlehem because it was a time of judges. Judges in those days, it says they lived in their, 
to see what was right in their own eyes. In other words, they, they actually abandoned God and his commands and what God required of them. And therefore, God allowed their disobedience and allowed famine to get their attention to come back to him. So famine hit because of the decisions of his people, not because God planned a famine for them. Everything in our lives, God is never against us. But the decisions that we make can cause us to actually run into things that God's never planned for us. You know, the reason why that we're in a mess in our world is because of one man's decision called Adam. It was his choice to disobey God and sin hit the world and everything else has fallen from that. But one decision another man made named Jesus who reversed the curse and allowed us to, to redeem us from the curse so we can have hope and blessing and assurance of eternal life and that was Jesus. And so the choices that we make can help us to go towards God or away from him. And so he thought the best thing to do was to go into Moab. And the thing is, they worship gods in, in the Old Testament. It was important about land and about productivity and harvest time because they needed to live. And so when you read the book of Judges, all over the place, they begin to build idols and altars, which we talked about in the first sermon. And, and so God said, I need you to break down those altars, those idols, because those idols don't feed you. Those idols don't protect you. Those idols don't lead you into prosperity. But it's me that does that. And they begin to, to um, worship other gods, Baal gods and Asherah. And they believe that those two gods, if they were had some kind of um, intimacy, and there was children here, so some kind of, then they would produce a harvest and they would begin to worship false gods. And God was so annoyed that they would worship gods that couldn't produce a harvest. So God said, okay, I'm going to get your attention. I'm going to bring a famine. Because I'm the only one that can give a harvest. I'm the only one that can provide for you in the wilderness. I'm the only one that's done before. And now you're running after all these gods. And he thought, I'm, there's a famine in the place of God. And so now I'm tempted to move away into a land of idolatry. And sometimes in our life, it's when there's famine times, the enemy will come and try and tempt you. And you have to understand that it's okay to move to a location to get provision. But here's the question for all of us. If you make choices to bring provision in your life and it takes you away from the things of God, it's not God's purpose for your life. I'd rather be poor and in the will of God than rich and outside of the will of God. And so they made a decision out of a necessity in their life, but there was an opportunity to mix with false gods and move away from the culture and move away from the fellowship of the, the, the Bible which they knew in, in Bethlehem and there be tempted to move away from their first love. Do you know it's interesting that when famine comes, there is option to you choose things away from God. Esau was hungry and he was willing to give his birthright up to fill an appetite in his life. There's loads of Christians that have an appetite in their heart and life, relationship appetite, financial appetite, whatever it is that you need in your life and you sell out on your birthright to fulfill an appetite. And I'll tell you something, it never lasts. When did the devil tempt Jesus? When he was hungry. 
And he tempted him to fulfill his own need, his own way without God. And we will get the opportunity in our life. When there is a need hit our life, there'll always be an opportunity for you to take a choice. But will that choice take you away from the word? Will that choice take you away from his fellowship? Will that take you away from making him number one in our lives? And if that choice means yes, then I would actually decline the opportunity. Because the most important thing in our life is to know that wherever we are, God is our provider. God is our protector. And no matter what comes in our life, I know that all things work together for good for those that love him. And even though it may be a bit tight right now for you, you have to lean in and trust him that he's working things out. Don't take shortcuts that will lead you away and end up making you bitter. And I want to encourage you today, don't allow the appetites to be fulfilled so quickly outside of the purpose of God. God all along was wanting to bless this family, but they, choo- they chose to go outside of his place. And therefore, they married Moabite women, but one of them was so committed to the God of Naomi. Here's the interesting thing. She's saying, you know, this God that I've, I serve, he's made my life bitter. He's put all this problem on me. I'm so empty right now and it's all because of God's hand that is against me. Not once did she put blame on her husband. And that's what we do. We end up in a crisis and not once do we take personal responsibility for the choices that we make. And we say, why God have you allowed that? And God has given us free will to choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. Our choices have consequences. And when we choose to follow Jesus and trust him, I want to tell you that it will turn out well. But when we take faith in our own self and move away from God's word and God's will, we're going to end up like this woman, empty, full of bitterness and blaming God in our lives. And those temptations will come to you. But can I just help you what will help you not make those choices? Jesus is so committed to me and you. He's so devoted to me and you. That he, he never sees his children starving for bread. That God would will to give his life for our biggest need that was salvation. So why would he leave you in the dark? Why would he leave you struggling forever? All of us go through valleys. All of us go through tests and trials. All of us go through loss. And through this COVID time, you may be in this church through some decisions of what's happened in your life through some circumstances, through other people's choices that you've followed and you've ended up like bitter, ended up thinking, why did God allow that? And I want to tell you, the devil would love you to stay there. But I want to tell you, God's got amazing plans for your life and you won't be able to to probably grasp that today in your heart because of the experience that you had. But the truth is that God is always for you, that God is always planning good things for your life, even though you face bad things sometimes in our life. There is no guarantee in this world by following Jesus that we're all going to be pain free. That's never going to happen. But I can guarantee you that through the pain, Jesus is right there. That through the valley that Jesus wants to take you through the shadow of the valley of death because there's a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. 
They were on a journey. At the end of the day, when we all die, when it's all over, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sin because God has already sorted out our future. But in the meantime, we're going to have to face some trials and tribulations, but God still wants us to walk into blessing on this side of heaven. But we can't allow the bitterness, we can't allow the mindset that God is the problem. God is not the problem, God is always the answer. And so today we're going to link arms with you and you're in a place like Naomi of bitterness blaming God. But Ruth got hold of her arm and walked her back into the blessing of God. And that's what we're doing this morning through our worship through our welcome, through our encouragement, through the word is we're linking with you, saying you're not on your own because God provided for Naomi through another person to take hold of her and help her to the presence and promises of God in her life. And that's what fellowship does. That's what a church should do, should link with you in your life. When you're feeling you want to throw everything out of the window in your faith, when you feel that God's never going to turn up and He's abandoned you, that we're here to say to you that God has never left you and God wants to link with you and take you through wherever you are now and lead you into a land of blessing and promise and provision and protection and production in your life while you're still alive. And if we can do that, even though you're struggling, you know when they were walking back to Bethlehem, she still had the same mindset but she at least was going in the right direction. She repented. She made another decision to go back to the house of bread. And if you feel like you want to backslide today, don't make that decision to keep going. You have to stop and you need to return back to the Lord. Because He has amazing plans for your life and the devil wants to rob you and you may be carrying bitterness for what others have done or what choices you have made or what you feel God's done to your life. But God loves you. God has planned purpose for your life. When you read the story, it says, as they got back into the house of bread, Bethlehem, Ruth said to Naomi, I'm going to go into a field because you know the story is that they had a relative called Boaz. And in those days, it was called a redeemer. That means if you have a relative, so if one of the brothers was still alive, they would have married Ruth and still kept the family line going. And therefore, they could have kept the property, kept the land and kept their inheritance. But there was nobody left, only Boaz and another person that was closest in the relative line. But Naomi had some property left from her husband in Bethlehem. And she, she said to, to um, Naomi, I'm going to go out and find somebody's field that I can go work in and bring some provision. <laughs> and it's interesting if you think about the fields, how many fields would there be in Bethlehem? And the scripture, as you read the story, read Ruth this week. If you read it, it says, and she, as it happened... She landed it in the field of Boaz. Has it happened? God is all over your life. And you don't even know it. She took one step to a field. She thought, this looks okay. And she walked straight into the provision of God and didn't even know it. 
And she asked the harvesters, can I have some food? She knew the Old Testament enough that when the harvesters went out, that we'd leave some on the edges of the ground for the poor. And she worked hard. And then all of a sudden, as as it just turns out, the Bible says, that she walked into the field of Boaz, her redeemer, that she didn't really know. It says the Bible said he noticed her. And I want to say to you today that God never takes his eyes off you. He never loses the interest in wanting to bless you. And so she comes there and he noticed her and she's gleaning and she takes, it's unbelievably walks into her, she walks into a place of provision. And he notices and he said, listen to her, please do not go into anybody else's field or you'll get hurt. I have warned my men not to harm you. It was a place of protection. And so she goes back to Naomi and says, look at all this food God has provided for us. I said, whose field have you been in? A man called Boaz. I said, he's our relative. He's the one that can redeem the land and marry you and could be something about future. But Naomi's all mixed up because she can't enter the, the, the blessing of God because of her heart and her attitude. It's thinking God's against her. God's not going to bless her life. And then she goes out again and then it's a place where he then leaps even more provision on the life. It said he gave, she gave, he gave her an ephah of wheat. In the Old Testament, when God provided manna, it was a, when, an ephah is 10 times the amount that God provided on the day when the manna fell for one person. And so she goes back to move on heaps, the, the harvest and the food all over this home. And all of a sudden, Naomi's heart begins to change because you can see somehow God is still doing something on her behalf even though she doesn't believe it. And the story unfolds that she goes back to this field and the conversation goes that he begins to like her. And he said, you know what? There is somebody closer in our family that can redeem you and the land. But we're going to go to the elders and we're going to ask them if he wants you, then fair enough. But if he doesn't, I'll take you. I'll marry you. I'll buy back the land. I'll give you your name back. And so he goes and the one closest in the family comes and he said, okay, Naomi's back. The land's available. Do you want to redeem it? And obviously because in his head he's thinking, oh, what amazing opportunity. Some more property, I'll buy it. And Boaz, who was a man of God, a man of integrity, he says, but you do realise that when you buy the land, you've also got to have a Moabites called Ruth and a mother-in-law. <laughs> well, that was it then, wasn't it? <laughs> we love mother-in-laws, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm sure that was it. Oh, I can't cope with two mother-in-laws because he was also married <laughs> Oh dear, got myself in trouble there. And he went, oh no, 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 I've changed my mind. I know what's going to happen. We're going to have more children. They're going to take that. No, so he decided. And so Boaz said, okay, you don't want it. I'm going to take it. And he, he bought it in front of the elders and they established the agreement and they got married. 
And here's the greatest thing what you need to know. They had a child. And the Bible tells us that it, she, they placed the baby in Naomi's hands to nurture. And when you read the end of the story, it tells us that they named him Obed. You know, when you think about the goodness of God and the plan of God, you would never believe that he could use this woman and this man, these two women, one a Moabess, one bitter in God, and take them back to the land and bring protection, provision, and production in their life. And then bring a, a kingsman redeemer to take the land and to, to bring them back security and protection over their lives. And then they have a child, and the child is presented to Naomi, and they call him Obed. It's the grandfather of David. Fourteen generations to the exile of Babylon, and the fourteen generations becomes the Messiah from the same line of that baby. And that baby became our Redeemer. Isn't God amazing? And you're sitting here today thinking, does God care about me? Does God want to bless me? Does God want to take me into a land of protection, provision and production? And I'm here to tell you today, absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, the lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. She blamed God. But do you know what? He's used to that. God is used to that. He's used to men blaming him for things he's never done. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him and by his wounds we've been healed. They stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him, hailed him king of the Jews and they said, they spat on him, took a staff and stuck him, struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put their own clothes on him. Then they laid him away to crucify him. See, God's used to it. But he didn't stop laying his life down for our sin. And if he would do that, what would he withhold from you and me today? Protection, provision, and production. Do you know how much God loves you today?
is incredible. If you would only get a glimpse of what he's planned for your life, if you would only get a glimpse that whatever you've gone through, God can turn it around. If you don't only know that his heart breaks for you and all he wants is for your life to prosper. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Joel said, so I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Haggai says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And John's gospel at the wedding of Cana, the master of the banquet says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you say the best to now. You may think your life's over or on hold, but I want to tell you, God would say to you, you've not seen nothing yet. God can turn it around because he loves you and he cares for you. There was a boy who made a little model boat and I'm finished in a few minutes. He made a model boat and he went out to sail it and he had on a piece of string and he let it go out but then as a big wind came and he started to move the boat around and he let go of the string and the boat took off down the stream and it was out of sight and this little boy was heartbroken that the boat that he made had been lost. So as he was going to school, he walked past this hardware shop and he looked in the window and there, it was like a, a sale second-hand shop and he walked past this window and he saw his boat in the window. So he looked in it and he walked into the shop and he said, sir, sir, I've lost, that's my boat in the window, can I have it back? And the owner said, I'm sorry, son, somebody brought that in yesterday and I bought it off. And if you want that boat back, you need to pay me for it, the amount I've given. So the little boy went home, got his little piggy bank out, emptied it, and exactly the amount of money what was needed was what the guy wanted. So he went back to the shop, put his money on the counter, and the man gave him his boat back. And as he walked home, back home, the little boy with tears down his eyes, he said this, hugged the boat and said, now you're twice mine. First I made you, and now I bought you. See, Christ not only made you, he redeemed you, and he paid the price for you. And he brought you out of the slave market because you belong to him. You are purchased with his blood. And there's nothing that he will not do or go for you in your life. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You've been purchased with His blood. And Ephesians says, when you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, the praise of His glory. I don't care how messed up you are, how bitter you are, I want to tell you that you are God's possession and He bought you with His life because He loves you. And there's plans for you. I want to tell you, no matter where you are right now, whether you're living in the dark, living in the place of bitterness, God wants to get hold of you and move you to a place of provision, protection, and definitely production. Why? Because you belong to Him and you're His child. Stand with me. Lord Jesus, Lord, if any of us online or in here today need to say sorry for blaming you for things you never did, then Lord, we repent today. We're sorry. And Lord, I make a decision that I'm going to believe you rather than what I'm feeling in my heart or through circumstances. And from this moment, Lord, I ask you to take hold of my hand with the help of those around me who love me enough to take hold of me and move me to where God wants me to be. That I will experience the goodness and the kindness of God in my life. I may have gone through pain. I may have gone through loss. I may have gone through hardship. I may have gone through doubt. But I'm not going to stay there. Because if you are for me, then who can be against me? Who did not spare his own son? How long would him not give us all things? Lord Jesus, we love you so much today. We can't believe that you would still pursue us to want to bless us. We don't deserve it and never will. You are so kind. And all I ask, Lord, is that you will help your children today, your people, to know that you have their best intention in mind. And we will not give in to the temptation of famine. We're not going to leave the house of God. We're not going to leave your word, but we're going to trust you because we belong to you. Father, would you breathe life on those in this place today that need your touch? Would you allow them to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living? I ask it in Jesus' name.